You're listening to the Top of the Mountain Podcast with Jimmy Pilato and Rev Coca, presented by the Variety Sports Network and D2Football.com, your home for RMAC football content. Now, to your hosts, Jimmy Pilato and Rev Coca. We have made it through 11 weeks of Division II football in the end at the NCAA level. And now we are here to talk about playoff football in the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference. You are listening to the Top of the Mountain podcast presented by the Variety Sports Network with myself, Jimmy Pilato, my co-host, Rev Coca. We uh, had a very exciting regular season to talk about. A lot of things moving around. At one point, it seemed almost impossible that we would get two teams into the Division II playoffs here in, in, in the 2022 season. Yet here we are, Colorado School of Mines, the two seed in our corridor of the bracket and CSU Pueblo getting the at-large bid, uh, making the playoffs for the first time, I believe, in three years. I think going back to the 2019, the 2019 season before COVID, uh, the Thunder Wolves find themselves back in the playoff picture. And we're going to talk all about it, get you set for what is going to be a very uh, personal matchup. I think that's what we can expect from this one, especially after how the last game went. But let's go ahead. We're we'll bringing my co-host Rev. Uh, I know I'm excited about playoff football. I'm sure you're just as excited as I am. Yeah, I'm definitely excited here. Definitely just to see two RMAC teams be able to make it into the bracket here. They just some help and other regions being close and competitive to help Pueblo kind of sneak their way up in there. And I'm excited in this matchup because you can see that seven-game win streak is really going to have CSU Pueblo play with a lot of intensity here and make it – I don't want to give too much away in my early prediction, but to make it an interesting matchup here in the first round between those two teams. I think it's going to be much closer of a game than what we saw back in uh, at the end of September. Uh, but before we get into all that, I want to remind everyone, if you are not following at FEOTB pod, you should be. Follow the far end of the bench wherever you listen to podcasts, and this show will appear automatically downloaded. You can also follow the Variety Sports Network, which we I recommend you do because uh, there's great shows from all around the country. So follow uh, them at Variety underscore sports underscore, and then on all your podcast platforms, be sure to subscribe to the far end of the bench YouTube channel um, and uh, check out Rev. Rev's writing on Belly Up Sports as he's uh, getting a lot of content out there in that regard. But now let's talk about, we're going to break it down by team. So looking at CSU Pueblo's schedule this season, started things off with a big win. I think it's what kind of propelled them through to making this playoff uh, at Midwestern State, 59 to 27. They get a big victory to kick off the year. Then we see what a lot of people thought was going to hold them back. Uh, week two, lost to Grand Valley State at home, number five team in the country, also going to be in that playoff picture. Uh, Western Colorado at home, 17-10, lost there for the Thunder Wolves. Colorado School of Mines, you go to Golden and get absolutely beat on for four quarters. 45-17 to 17 was the final of that one. But this seven-game win streak that you mentioned, Rev, where you go Fort Lewis as a get-right game, because that's what everybody used Fort Lewis as. Adams, New Mexico Highlands, Shadron, Colorado Mesa, South Dakota Mines, and then a huge shutout victory against Black Hills State. I mean, that's uh, for as, as low as they got, they climbed themselves back up to where we probably all expected them at the beginning of the season and maybe even a little bit higher. That was a team firing on all cylinders. Once they kind of stuck behind Hunter Racket and stopped playing musical chairs at the quarterback position, this team really gelled and their defense stepped up, uh, shutting down a couple high-powered offenses. Um, 
What what did you think of the Thunderwolves season as a whole there, Riff? I think there's just something about the wrinkle of the passing game being added here when Hunter Rackett took over as a starting quarterback, which just makes this Pueblo team even more interesting than usual. Like we've seen playoff Pueblo teams, but something that's very rare is just to see a CSU Pueblo team that's as much of a passing threat as this team is. We've seen teams in the past, we've seen some dual threat quarterbacks they've tried out. They tried out John Kitna's son for a little for a little stint. But now like we've seen now we're just seeing a CSU Pueblo team with a passing game that that has to be respected. And I think that's something that's really going to make this matchup really interesting where you ask, do, does the CSU Pueblo team have the firepower to keep up offensively with Colorado School of Mines? And with the efficient play of Hunter Racket, you get a good game out of them and they could go blow for blow and put up points. I agree with you. I think this passing game is something I've actually had a few conversations about that we haven't seen in the playoffs for CSU Pueblo before. Uh, it was the McDonald show when they won their national championship. It, it always seems to be running back driven yet this season, just looking at their passing totals, um, average yards per game, 266 and uh, 33 touchdowns on the season between the two quarterbacks that play for CSU Pueblo. So they're adding this aerial assault uh, and leading the way is their quarterback Hunter Racket transfer in this season wasn't with the Thunderwolves last year uh, he finished the year with only three interceptions 25 touchdowns and a total of 2,025 yards uh, for a 202 average per game so great season for him really turned things around um, that defense is also something that people have to deal with and uh, I think that's what Colorado School of Mines is preparing for so we can kind of move on to over to the ore diggers Number two in the region, so they get uh, to host the game, and if they move on, I believe they would host again. They they get that luxury there. Undefeated, uh, not un quite undefeated season. Started off the year with two losses, the top 10 teams at Grand Valley State and then at home against Angelo State in the rematch of last year's quarterfinals. Um, those two games being decided by three points, one of them against Angelo State in overtime. But then after that, it was really runaway freight train, 84 to 10 over Adams State. 45 to 17 against CSU Pueblo in September, like we mentioned, uh, 45 to nine against Shadron in Nebraska, 48, 21 against Mesa, 48, 20 against South Dakota mines, Black Hill state. They also beat them by a score of 38 to zero, uh, 10 point win over Western uh, that we talked about last episode, 30 to 20. And then, uh, New Mexico Highlands and Fort Lewis to end the year with a cumulative, let's see, quick math here, a hundred and, 34 points scored and only 16 against in those two games with an 80 to nothing shutout of the Fort Lewis Skyhawks last Saturday. So the Colorado School of Mines or Diggers, we know that they're going to be coming prepared. They We know that what they're going to do. They're two-headed monster in the backfield, have three stud receivers, and their defense is really gap sound and really solid. Uh, what did we What did we think of the or Diggers here in 2022, Rev? Um, they definitely made up for a couple of the hiccups they had earlier on in the season just to assert their dominance on the division to kind of place themselves up in that upper part of the region for the playoffs. And really, you just saw fundamentally sound Colorado Mines football. They didn't step on any of the mines of the, I mean, well, pun intended, they didn't step on any mines and they took care of business and basically dominated every RMAC team except for Western who gave them a bit of a scare. But yeah, they they really just picked up where they left off last year. And 
it's going to be interesting to see how they handle a team that's on a seven-game streak and is playing with a ton of momentum and a ton of confidence. Uh, yeah, it, it, these games too, Colorado School Mines has the experience factor on their side. We know what they were able to do last season, making it all the way to the semis and being three points away from playing for a national championship. And now they're back-to-back RMAC champions um, for the last two seasons. This year won it outright. So they've really kind of refocused themselves. And those are two losses that I don't think hurt them all that much. Where we see the three losses for CSU Pueblo, they weren't against teams that were in the top 10. Uh, One of them was a top five team that you were able to take, you know, to the wire and, and into overtime. So I think Colorado School Mines had a little bit different start to the season, even though both teams uh, were initially winless until picking up their first victory and and being able to, you know, kind of move in that direction. But I think the experience level is going to be a huge factor. There's a lot of guys on this CSU Pueblo team. Now you've kind of cycled out where you had tons and tons of playoff games where now they've kind of lost all of that. So I'm very interested to see how the the teams are going to prepare. You know, Coach Riston has done this before. Is he going to be able to get this team to refocus? Because I think that's what Colorado School of Mines knows they have to do. Yes, you had a dominating victory and you kind of took care of business the last time these two teams met, and it was at the same location. Having home field advantage in the playoffs is going to be a big deal. Colorado School of Mines field, it's different. Um, It favors them. Funny enough, though, we did witness a couple upsets uh, for the Mountaineers in our time down there at Gunnison that was that was on uh, Colorado School of Mines turf. But this is going to be a knockdown drag out brawl uh, real quickly before we start talking about our thoughts on the game specifically. We'll get into a little bit of predictions. Um, let's see. Going to go to. So for Colorado School of Mines, we're going to just compare the passing game uh, to Pueblo for what we said about Colorado State University Pueblo. Mines finished the year averaging 333 passing yards a game for a total of 3,666 and 34 touchdowns. And that was a season that was put up by John Matoka, where only four interceptions, 33 touchdowns, a 71.47 completion percentage, and 310 yards a game, really carrying this Colorado School of Mines offense. And then Zeman, over 1,000 yards and almost 20 touchdowns, fell just short 19, averaged 90 on the ground. You know where this team is attacking you from. There's no hiding it. It's not a secret. Uh, this is a team that's going to come full down at you. They're going to be very fundamentally sound and be in the right spots. They're, they're a team that you wait for a, a mistake to be made, and they just don't really make that many, save for this Western Colorado uh, game that, that they only got the 10-point victory on. Uh, specifically for this matchup, what do you think it's going to be? What, what is going to be the deciding factor when these two teams take the field on Saturday at noon here? Um, in this RMAC rematch matchup? Well, this Colorado School of Mines offense is not going to make a lot of mistakes, and they're going to be efficient, and they're going to move. Perhaps Pueblo's defense can slow them down a little bit because they have been you know, they have been playing better, but I still see worst-case scenario, maybe Mines can still put up 24 to 28 points on the board, even if Pueblo can slow them down a little bit. So I think it's going to come down to Hunter Rackett and the Pueblo offense being able to go possession for possession with them to score points as mines is scoring points. And I think it's going to come down to that on the side of Colorado mind. You see Matoka Zeman is basically wiping through and breaking every single record from rushing touchdowns to rushing yards to total touchdowns and just putting his name on top of every record board 
in, of that university. And John Matoka, who not only is being efficient and taking care of the football, like you said, he only has four interceptions, but also the explosivity and to have the receivers who multiple, I think two receivers who have over a thousand yards on the season. So they have the dynamic passing it, but they also, they're also efficient. They don't make a lot of mistakes. So it's really going to come down to CSU Pueblo being able to score and being able to go drive for drive offensively. They, uh, you mentioned those receivers having a thousand yards, Josh Johnson, 1,029, Max McClode finished with a thousand and two and Mason Carp, who's kind of a big deal in their offense. He's more of the blocker. They run a lot of those bubble screens where they set up in the, the bunch formation and they throw it out and, and they expect their receivers to block. Mason Carp had 590 yards on the year uh, and five touchdowns averaged about 50 yards a game, but he was a big factor in their blocking on the outside. And, and he springs a lot of those Michael Zeman runs. Zeman's not the fastest guy in the world. He, he runs away from some people, but it's not like he's a track star. These guys block down the field and, and they don't, let up until they're finding their way into the end zone. Uh, Max McLeod also finished with 11 touchdowns on the season. So their receivers, like we said, aren't anything to take, take lightly. I don't think anybody's taking anything lightly at this moment in this uh, NCAA season, not really any room for error. And when you do make an error, even if it's slight, I mean, I remember watching the first round of last year, we didn't unfortunately have any RMAC football in the first round of the playoffs, but I was watching the uh, Augustana and Bemidji State game that would decide who was going to play Colorado School of Mines in the second round. It was three, maybe four seconds that decided that game. That's how close these teams are. That's why I, I'm very excited. I know that we don't, we try to sh stay away from Division One college football talk on this show because we are a proud Division Two stand podcast and, and love the RMAC. Um, expanding the playoff is going to be great because you get moments like we're going to be able to see over the next three weeks where you either Continue and, and do the things that your coaches have been asking you since back in February when you started winter conditioning, or are you going to let the mental fatigue of having to play this many football games? This is going to be the most games that any of these guys have played in an extended period of time. Uh, are you going to let that mental fatigue set in and, and are you going to let that sink you and not have another week of the season? That's the, you always talk about in the playoffs. I just got to get to Monday. If we have meetings on Monday, it's going to be a good good week. So one of these two teams are going to have to get to Monday. Uh, before we get into it, we want to talk about our sponsor, SeatGeek. Uh, SeatGeek is a proud sponsor of the Variety Sports Network and the Top of the Mountain podcast. When you download the app, use promo code BSN, and you'll get $20 off your first purchase when you make, uh, when you make that through the app with your new account. So, Rev, SeatGeek prediction for this week in this RMAC matchup. Number two seed, Colorado School of Mines, hosting CSU Pueblo. Who do you think walks away and advances to the second round to play either Minnesota State, Mankato, or uh, Wayne State out of Nebraska? Who's going to win? All right. Just to make one quick comment about the D1 thing. Well, personally, I would have liked to see it expand to, like, more of an 18 bracket, more than, like, a full-on, you know, I believe they expanded to 16. But either way, you know, it's good to see them expand. But in order to – but yeah, going back to this game, I, I think I'm gonna go with the gusto pick. I think Pueblo could really, I think Pueblo will pull out the upset here. Coach Riston has that playoff experience. I think he's gonna be able to hone those guys in just enough. Yeah, it's gonna be a hostile environment there in Colorado School of Mines. Them being them going to 
was it Marv Case the field or what's the name of that stadium again? Marv Case Stadium, yeah. Yeah, stadium <clears throat> just yeah, so it's gonna be hostile territory, but it's still it's still in Colorado, so perhaps they can still get a little bit of a supporting crowd there. And I well, think Coach I, Rick, I got 17 family members going just just from on my own. I know that there's gonna be a lot of people there. Oh, yeah, there's yeah, a lot so of people yeah. there for in September because the, a lot of yeah. the guys, their families live locally. So I, I don't necessarily, that's the cool thing about this matchup is that if it was in Pueblo, yeah, it'd be a little get, bit further of a drive. The crowds in there, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be on both sides and that's going to make the atmosphere even that much greater. If I wasn't in the middle of coaching, I'm starting coaching wrestling season at, at the high school level now. So I don't, I, unfortunately I can't make it out there because we have a scrimmage on, on Saturday, but uh, so you're you're picking the upset for CSU Pueblo. I'm going to be picking the upset for CSU Pueblo. No offense to uh, my good buddy Gabe Kortz, who was the middle linebacker, one of the captains of Colorado School of Mines uh, last season when they went on that run to the semifinals. I need to. I, my brother is. I said it a couple times. This is one of my one of the times I'm going to let you know right now. This is biased, totally biased. Do, do I think that they're going to be able to make all the adjustments necessary to stop this Colorado School of Mines team? Maybe. That's where I'm sitting. It, they might be able to. If they do the things that they know they're supposed to do, if they play their the, the scheme the way it's supposed to be played, they should be able to do that, and they should be able to score. I'll tell and you, three and outs. Yeah. There's yeah. only signs of those improvements defensively. They've shut down some high-powered teams. You know, South Dakota Mines, I believe they held only 20 and basically shut them out in the first half. And they've shown signs of these offense offensive improvements once they made their quarterback change. So I think they could go and at least compete and slow down Mines' offense to an extent where maybe they can hold them under 30. And if their offense is clicking, they're going to be able to put up some points. We saw Western put up some points on – we saw Western put up some points on Mines early, and I think Pueblo, with the way their passing game is going, I think they can put on even more and build off of where – build off the blueprint that Western started with maybe jumping on them early and doing enough in the second half. But yeah, I think offensively and defensively and having the experienced coach who has been in the playoffs before and has made runs and has a national championship, I think with the momentum and with the, and with the coaching of John Rison, I think they can pull off the upset here. So yeah, I got Pueblo pulling it off. We're going to go with the Thunderwolves too. And it's going to come down to third downs, uh, Early on, that, that was the reason why they lost to, call, to Western Colorado was that they could not get the, their offense off the field when their defense was out there on third downs. They shored that up, only allowed a 37% conversion rate towards the end, 61 out of 164 attempts. And when you're able to get the other team off the field and keep your offense on, your offense gets a couple first downs, whether you score or not, if you continually move the ball and you play be able to play the field position game, funny things happen. I mean, it's... 18 to 22 year olds you never know what they're going to do or if they're going to do the right thing anyways so I'm hoping for chaos and I think chaos is CSU Pueblo getting the upset and then making either a trip way up north or a trip way out east uh, but we're going to talk and, and tr transition now to uh, the rest of the bracket so those were our seat geek predictions of this RMAC rematch here in the first round of the NCAA Division II playoffs in our Super Region 4 down in our quadrant we're uh, starting off with Angelo State, who finished the year undefeated, the Lone, Stars, uh, Lone Star Athletic Conference. And we, we had Zach Chavez, assistant RMAC commissioner, on uh, earlier on in the season, talked about the relationship that the RMAC and Lone Star have. Angelo State was a very good team. They seem like they're on a mission to kind of bounce back. 
Um, it's the same quarterback, Bronkhorst, I believe is his last name. He almost, I mean, he should have been able to lead a comeback. He kind of put the team at, in a bad spot against Colorado School Mines, but they were almost able to make a comeback and sneak their way into the semifinals. They seem like they're a better team this year. They're the number one seed. Colorado School of Mines, the two. Minnesota State Mankato out of the SEAC, uh, way up north there. It's kind of the Minnesota and then Sioux Falls and Augustana, the South Dakota schools outside of the two that are in the RMAC. They are the three, and uh, Bemidji State, the four. Bemidji hosts Winona State, and Minnesota State Mankato hosts Wayne State. Like I said, the winner of Minnesota State and Wayne State will play the winner of our RMAC rematch. By the way, Colorado School of Mines, I think I mentioned it before, but they were outright conference champions. So what do you think of our bracket, Rev? Uh, it's going to be a tough dance, tough road to get to just any kind of the su success that we saw from last season for both of these teams. Whoever wins this week is going to have a heck of a matchup next week. Yeah, and you saw, well, with Angelo State being on top of the bracket and with how our Matt going head-to-head -head with Lone Star for a majority of the non-conference matchups. It's going to be tough because the Lone Star got the better of a majority of those matchups, but thankfully only one, only one of those teams made it, and it's going to be what makes in there with a lot of those Midwestern teams of the Augustans and the Grand Valley and teams like that. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be a tough road, and I definitely question, you know, whether Mines has it in them to make a run as far as they did last year where – the region, yeah, it's, gonna, it's filled with teams of, they got a couple blemishes, they got a couple losses in there, but just based off of how the non-conference matchups went earlier on in the season, I definitely, I would bet against Mines making as long as a run as they did last year, and same thing goes for Pueblo. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be tough. Getting a win in the playoffs is going to be cool, um, and then you get to probably fly wherever you're going. Uh, in the next round paid for by the NCAA. So that's the incentive. And like I said, make it to Monday. Whoever makes it to Monday is going to have a good week. Uh, next quarter over of the bracket, uh, which you can find on NCAA.com. Number one seed, Benedict. They got the uh, first round by Angelo State also has a first round by as, as the number one seed. Then we have Delta State as the two. They're taking on Fayetteville State. That game is also at noon on Saturday. Uh, then the three seed, West Florida, uh, two years ago, two years removed, three years actually now, because of the COVID season, I, I lost count. They were national champions three years ago. They're the, the Argonauts um, down there for West Florida. They're taking on Limestone. And then we have Virginia Union and Wingate. The winner of that will take on Benedict in the next week's matchup. Um, not sure if you're familiar with any of those, but if we have somebody listening for one of those schools, thank you for checking us out. Be sure to follow us here and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, but that's one of one other quadrant of uh, the bracket. Did you do you know anything about any of those teams, Rev? Only a few small, minuscule details, not yeah. too filled in with anything. You know, our back is really just me kind of being in it for the years, kind of helped me get the inside fever. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's tough, and you don't get to see a lot of these teams, a lot of their, a lot of the leagues like uh, Grand Valley, the GLIAC, I know, is behind a paywall, and I believe the Lone Star is behind a paywall, too. Um, oh, yeah, in, some of those games earlier on in the season that we couldn't watch, yeah, definitely frustrating, yeah. yeah. Uh, up in the upper quarter on the left-hand side of the bracket, Indiana, Pennsylvania, makes no sense. Indiana from Pennsylvania is the number one seed. They have the first round by Ashland, number four, is hosting Notre Dame out of Ohio. 
Number two, uh, Shepard, who I recognize from last year. I believe they made it into the semis um, and lost to Ferris State, um, who ended up going on and winning the national championship last season. Shepard is the two seed. They're hosting New Haven. Number three seed, Assumption, is hosting Slippery Rock. And the winner of that Ashland-Notre Dame game will get to go to the number one seed, Indiana-Pennsylvania. Uh, finally, the last quarter of the bracket, number one, Grand Valley State. We saw them take on both Colorado School of Mines and CSU Pueblo, put a beat down on CSU Pueblo in the Thunder Bowl and uh, got a three-point victory over Colorado School of Mines in week one. Uh, comeback victory, by the way, because Mines did at one point uh, take the lead and, and held on to the lead for a portion of that game. They're the one seed. Next, uh, the two-seed Fair State returning national champion. They, they are only the two-seed in their rematch from this season between uh, Grand Valley and Ferris, Grand Valley did get the win. So Grand Valley finished the year undefeated. Ferris State only lost to the Lakers up there from uh, GV. Some some of the things that I'm seeing, it's basically a GLIAC uh, national title to lose. I don't know how you feel about that, Rev. Um, they're good, but I don't know if, from what I saw of Grand Valley, I don't know if they're going to be that much better than everybody else. I think anybody who wins the national championship this year is going to have to earn it. I don't think that it, there's any gimmies on this bracket. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't say so. And seeing them being up top and seeing the close matchups that they had, you know, with, well, closer Colorado Mines and Colorado State Pueblo, but definitely see teams that aren't necessarily up at the top, you know, number two in that region, number three in that region, giving those top teams really tough fights. So, yeah, it's really going to be a wide open, really a wide open bracket this year. Yeah, and uh, finishing out the matchups in that quarter of the bracket, Pittsburgh State, the three seed, they're hosting U Indy. Um, and then Northwest Missouri State, also a former national powerhouse, has won a couple of national titles here in the recent uh, past is taking on Wichita, Wichita Baptist, who, who is the four seed. So Wichita Baptist will host. Winner of that game gets to go on and play Grand Valley up there in Michigan and uh, try and take down the Lakers. But I'm excited. I, I'm going to try and catch as many of these games as possible. Cool thing about them being in the playoffs now is that they mostly get played on ESPN3 uh, or ESPN+. Plus. So I know that you have ESPN+, Plus because when we're done with this show, we're going to record a little quick uh, hit on the UFC, which you all can hear on the far end of the bench feed with Nico, Rev, and myself. But uh, I'm looking forward to catching some of these maybe teams that I haven't really seen. And uh, obviously, whoever wins out of the RMAC, we're going to continue to follow. We'll continue to have episodes of this show until there's no RMAC teams left standing. And uh, then we'll have a season wrap-up. Hopefully, we're talking about another deep playoff run. But like we said, it's going to be tough. And who knows what's going to happen here in the span of the next three weeks. It's the most exciting time of the season because once this tournament ends, then we get bowl season and then NFL is in January and playoffs are right around the corner. It's starting to pick up. Uh, we're in the middle of a snowstorm here in Colorado. So it feels right. It feels like the time of the year is perfect for this playoff setting. And next three weeks are going to be electrifying football. Everybody should be watching. So tell your friends to start checking out some division two football and uh, continue to support this show and support the RMAC by uh, checking out the Colorado School of Mines and CSU Pueblo game. If you can make it out in person, if not, check it out um, probably through the RMAC network or on ESPN+. Plus. But that's going to be uh, a heck of a weekend. And Rev, I, I, I just can't express how excited I am. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, most wonderful time of the year, just in terms of just you get to sit back, you know, it's holiday season. And when you're not a player, you don't have to worry about, you know, being locked in for the end of the football season during the holidays. But, you know, we get to indulge in those distractions and sit back and watch the football. So, hey, I'm definitely excited, you know, watching everything on all levels from the D1 to the D2s and, you know, seeing how the NFL season wraps up. So, yeah, I'm definitely I'm just going to sit back, you know, pack on a couple of pounds next week and just kind of just enjoy the rest of it, you know. I'm glad that we're going to have an episode coming out on Thanksgiving because we'll get to talk about our favorite dishes that we're excited for. Uh, but we're going to save that for next week. Rev, real quickly, tell everyone where they can check out uh, your stuff, both on social media and then on, on Belly Up. So you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rev Coca. I can I do a better job promoting my Instagram as well since at this point it seems like Twitter might be going down at any second since ever since Elon Musk took control of the headquarters it seems like everything just kind of went to flames so you can follow me on Instagram at Rev Coca as well I've kind of been a bit of in a lull right now when it comes to writing things I've been writing anything in over a week so but you, you, you can gonna recap me. this Bengals and Steelers game coming up on on Sunday I might have to or definitely do something Steelers related, you know. I had a good win last week. TJ Watt was back. Najee Harris had his first good game of the season. So some things to talk about there. So probably some Steelers material coming out pretty soon, if not some MMA stuff to kind of wrap up the year. So you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Ref Coca. And the next time I write something, you you can find it on Belly Up and find my name right there, Ref Coca and you'll see whatever I wrote. Be sure to check it out. Be sure to continue to support this show. Follow at FEOTB pod and at Variety underscore sports underscore. We're a proud member of the Variety Sports Network here on the Top of the Mountain podcast. Um, and we can't wait. We're going to be recapping some playoff football. We're going to have one more RMAC team left standing, and it's going to be a good one. So thank you guys very much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. For myself, Jimmy Plato, my co-host, Rev Coca, this has been the Top of the Mountain podcast. Uh, get ready for some RMAC playoff football. Here we go. We'll see you guys next week.